Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Hey! Isn't, is that pretty good Father Sean impersonation? That was close. I think I almost had it. This is Deacon Jacob. No, you totally had it. Hey, we're back. And we're off. <laughs> and we're off. We're live. This is Father Sean coming to you live from... Lord's house. <laughs> no, Lord's <laughs> parish. I thought you were going to answer that question. You're just staring at me. I was. You're staring was. at me. You're playing with the microphone cover, so it's like scratching in my ears right before we start. I'm not going to do it to the listener because I don't want them to experience the, the torture. I was doing that during our, during prayer, actually. Yeah, I'm making this serious, <laughs> bodacious grace prayer, and he just starts like playing did, with did the microphone. Did you just microphone. say bodacious grace? Yeah, I did. Bodacious graces. That's what we want. Bodacious graces. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. That's a Monsignor Michael Glenn quote. Is it really? He came in to our spirituality here. Uh, Monsignor Michael Glenn. Pray for us. May he rest in peace. Um, came into RSY, and he was giving us a... I can't even remember what he was talking about, to be honest, the rest of the time. He told us to burn our ships <laughs> at one point, I believe. And then uh, he told us, don't be afraid. Oh, he's, he's teaching us on prayer, just on prayer in general. He's like, don't be afraid to ask for bodacious graces. Bodacious Graces. Bodacious Graces. That was my nickname in high school. I don't believe you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, today is All Souls Day. Yesterday was the Solemnity of All the Saints, which was great. Uh, Holy Day of Obligation. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me everybody's not just automatically, instantaneously a saint, (laughs) and we have to have a second day, Father Sean, for all souls? Yeah, for the souls in purgatory, the holy souls in purgatory, or the lost souls, las animas perdidas. Mm, Spanish. Yeah, did you know the Animas River in southwestern Colorado, so the river that runs between Silverton and Durango, that river, the full name, Las Animas River, is the Rio de las Animas Perdidas del Purgatorio, the the river of the lost souls of purgatory, Hmm. which is fascinating to me. It's beautiful. I wonder if, do you think there's a connection, like way, way, way throwback to like the river Styx? In Greek mythology? I don't know. I think, I mean, the obvious connection would be the fact that the Spaniards came into Mexico, the the Mexicans pushed north, and so that's why a lot of the southern half of Colorado is all Spanish names. The Sangre de Cristo Mountains, the Blood of Christ Mountains, um, the San Juan Mountains, the Beautiful Catholic names. I'm just thinking like the river, the river where the dead are. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's kind of cool. Yeah. But I love the idea of uh, sure. naming things for memory because we remember all the holy souls that we, we don't know uh, where they are, so we pray for them, um, hoping hoping that they are in heaven or will soon be in heaven. And then as we assist them in their time of purgation, uh, purification, then they will pray for us on the other side. Amen. Souls in purgatory can pray for us, though. They can't pray for themselves. That's their poverty. Is that they're suffering, in a certain sense, um, they're suffering because they're not in the fullness of the beatific vision yet, and uh, yeah, they can't pray for themselves. They can't offer sacrifice for themselves. So that's why we here on Earth, the Church Militant, offer sacrifice and prayers and whatnot for the Church suffering, so that we can become the Church triumphant. Right. Mm-hmm. So those are the three images: the Church suffering or I should say the church militant, that's us here on earth, the church suffering, those in purgatory, and then the church triumphant, those who triumphantly have won their reward and are in heaven. Yeah. Is it me or does my voice sound weird right now? Mostly just you. I think that's you. Uh, You always sound weird. (laughs) Okay, thank you. And now you know. (laughs) Have you never listened to yourself on the podcast before? No, I I have, but like my voice... I don't know if it's the headphones or if this room that we're in is echoey, but I just feel like my voice sounds extra deep right now. Well, you might be getting sick. I don't know. No, it is It is super extra echoey in this high ceiling room. Uh, we should be whispering. There's a Bible study going on be- below. That's right. Allegedly the best Bible study at Lord's, as they told us. <laughs> we walked by them and they're like, hey, oh, you guys are about to record? We're the best Bible study here. Give us a shout out. I said, yeah, right. So here's a shout out to the best Bible study at Lord's. <laughs> Got him. You know who you are <laughs> and you know who you're not. Um, no, I listened back to actually the, the most recent episode me and father mike recorded and i rarely listen to my own episodes unless i'm editing it mm-hmm. and because so i'm like i know what i said and 
I was listening back for a different reason. For want, heresy? Uh, mostly that. I wanted to make sure I wasn't committing heresy. Um, fingers crossed. Uh, no, I made so many mistakes. It's just like verbal and vocab mistakes. Mm-hmm. At one point I said, yeah, I, I practiced all day, every night. <laughs> I mean, I, I wanted to say it like, or every day, all night or something like that. Every day, all week is what I intended to say. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that's not what I said. Totally. So we make a lot of errors, but it's unedited. And you have to suffer with the consequences when we're sleep deprived. or the, the, listener. the listeners. When we're sleep deprived, <laughs> running on fumes, and I still have yet to eat dinner, which don't ask me why. Uh, I mean, it's not that late. What time is it? 7.42. But it's winter, so it feels like it's midnight already. It does feel that it's way. Not, is it winter? It's still fall, but... I don't like it. It's getting dark. By all technicality, we had this huge snowstorm last weekend, which came out of nowhere. Six or seven inches. In Denver. And, you know, classic Colorado, like it's already melted. But um, yeah, it just like, I was checking the forecast. I mean, it was getting cold and cold and cold. And I was like, what's going on here? Like, it's fall. It's not supposed to be this (laughs) cold. And then there was a drop in temperature. It got down to like uh, 20 degrees and then it snowed. Yeah, six to eight inches from uh what was it saturday night into all day sunday yeah so sunday wet snow is like really sticky sunday morning mass was completely empty sunday night mass at the 6 p.m we had like 400 people at that mass which normally we only get like 250 because they waited yeah because everyone slept in everyone was curled up (laughs) in their sheets or under their sheets i should say under their cozy blankets with a cup of hot joe or hot cocoa in their hands Mm-hmm. Well, what else is new with you, Father Sean? Um, hi, my name is Father Sean. I hail from Denver, Colorado. Uh, what's new with me? I don't know. We just recorded a podcast on this, but I did finish all the 14ers, which was exciting. But you already know that if you listened to last week's or two weeks ago episode. Um, yeah, I don't think I have anything new. It's just kind of normal parish life right now, which honestly is kind of nice of just like the homeostasis or the consistency of daily parish life is sometimes really nice yeah i'm in the throes of the like most pressure cooker time of seminary midterms like midterms and but then papers you, you have like a, a slight lull and you have papers you have uh, we have seminary appeal coming up we have uh can then the semester comes together with a bunch of different events we sing a christmas concert we have finals but it's like all you're you're already kind of tired and then you just kind of have to keep going and it doesn't really let up so that's where i'm at a little tired but i took i I got a i got a 30 minute nap in so i know a lot of our listeners are probably like i would love to get a 30 minute nap in i just Um, started a new vitamin this sounds this sounds weird to say but i started taking a new vitamin and I feel like this has been going on for like two weeks now. I feel so much more alert and maybe it's just like, uh, what do you call that? Like, uh, I can't can't even think of the word right now. Um, maybe it's just like in my head or whatever, but I don't know. I feel so much better taking this vitamin. It's like a, a vitamin mixture of, uh, veggies and fruits. You take two a day and it's great. I feel so much more alert. And then I'm, I've, I've increased my vitamin D dose because, um, I don't know this time of year, I just get so like lack of energy, low energy, not depressed, but like seasonal depression disorder, whatever that's called. Uh, it's just like the sun, the sun sets early. It's dark all the time. I just get like tired and sad. <laughs> so the vitamin D has been really helping. I was diagnosed, uh, with, vitamin d deficiency a couple years ago during the Um, winter or the summer perpetually wow i guess i don't know my body didn't really during the winter but i i I went and got the blood work done in like september Mm -hmm. and it was low so i got on the vitamin d um so you've been doing that for a while vitamin k i kind of do it when i feel my energy levels dipping Mm -hmm. so i think generally i'm I'm okay but it's i do need some extra but i found like a noticed Market difference in mood. Yeah. Um, That's what I've been feeling the last two weeks. And normally this time of year, I start getting like really discouraged of like, uh, the end of the year is coming and everything's dark, right? So June, June 21st, well, I shouldn't say that. Well, now I have to say it. Uh, June 21st, 
uh, happens maybe possibly to be my birthday, but it's the longest day of the year, right? So it's remember this... that. Send him gifts. No, don't, don't. I shouldn't have said that. To... It's terrible, <laughs> terrible. Uh, it's a phishing scam, is what that was right there. Yeah, it is a phishing scam. My birthday is <laughs> actually not that day. He doesn't have a birthday at all. Yeah, Forget I was never it. born. It turns out, yeah. um, June twenty first is the longest day of the year, right? The summer solstice, um, and this is actually really interesting. June twenty fifth, and numbers could be fudged a little bit, certainly. June 25th is the feast of St. John the Baptist, who is the forerunner to Christ. From him, the days get darker and darker and darker and darker and darker until when? December 25th or December 21st as the winter solstice. But December 25th, the days get darker and darker and darker until December 25th when, boom, the light of the world enters in makes everything bright and then after december 25th the days get longer and longer and longer and longer and longer it's so great quiz show sean what did what did john the baptist say that is connected to this i don't know the light shines in the darkness i must decrease (laughs) oh that's cool and he must increase that's cool i never that's that's the whole connection there that's like a focused bible study connection is it okay focus bible study pray for us Mm. um but I've always loved that of like, uh, I love December. Like once I hit December 25th, December 21st, I'm like, all right, it's going to get better. There's hope in sight. But this time of year, I'm just like, oh, I go to bed and it's dark. I wake up and it's still dark. I'm like, can we have more sunlight? And vitamin D is changing my life right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, Father Sean, you have fallen into my trap, yeah. my mastermind transition Whoa, into why topic. are you playing with the mic like that I'm you're sorry. making things pop in my I'm ears sorry uh transition to today's topic no no no. how are you we, you always talk about me i'm like what's new in your life because yeah, i start the conversation no i'm starting this i'm <laughs> i'm ending this conversation <laughs> uh what's new in my life um me and my little brother were at the halloween party for the seminary your brother who's in seminary yep Joseph. Your brother from another mother? No, same mother. Oh. Well, we're basically twins. <laughs> Nine years apart, we're twins. And since we are twins, uh, we started the night um, as our costume was I was him mm. in an alternate universe, and he was me in an alternate universe. Or we were in an alternate universe, so we were each other. So he was wearing like his sandals and like a, like a, a flannel and a guitar strapped to his back and it was he was uh he was going as me or him if he had gone to franciscan both mm-hmm. were the jokes made um i was just wearing my clerics with his name tag on it so that was our that was our costume for the beginning because we had made some franciscan habits out of really 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 cheap fabric and staples because we didn't have time to sew them. Nice. So we stapled these things together and we didn't trust them to stay uh, through all of dinner till the costume contest. But we went as Padre Pio by locating. Nice. That's brilliant. Uh, Joe's, it was Joe's idea, um, which is probably like, he probably stole this from some Catholic family who has twin <laughs> boys that get Lords, send their kids to Lords and they send them as Padre Pio for twins. Twin or whatever. boys at Lords. We don't have any twin boys or twin girls at Lords. We have a, a few sets of twins, but they're all um, non-identical. Uh, what do you call those? Um, fraternal. Fraternal. Yeah. Siamese. I, <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I'm already saying it. So my friend Jared Fisher has a twin sister. And uh, when I first met her, I was like trying to make small talk with the two of them. And I was like, so are you guys like identical or fraternal <laughs> twins? They didn't laugh. They didn't think that was funny. And, and Hillary just looks at me like, are you kidding? <laughs> you sound serious right now. You're dumb. You're really, really dumb. You're really, really dumb. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, we had the, we had the Halloween uh, costume contest. We got third place. The spirituality, propedeutic, psi guys, whatever we're calling them, first year seminary guys, they came, uh, most of them came as Mario Kart characters, uh, and then in their skit performing, pre- presenting their costume, they had Father Brady with a N64 controller, mm-hmm. and they ran around like they were racing, so that was pretty funny. They, awesome. they won. Well, the same night that you had your Halloween party... Oh, you did get dressed up. <laughs> yeah, I saw the photo. That. Don't say this. This yet. is great. So you and another yeah, dearly don't say loved it. friend. Don't say it. Don't say it. You're gonna ruin the punchline. I'm just so, I'm building anticipation, Sean. So yeah, what's new in my life? This is actually new. I've always struggled with that question. What's new in your life? Because I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, 
I don't live a reflective life. I don't <laughs> I know what's new. I don't think about it till six months from now. That's that. Well, that's not completely true, but it's mostly true. <laughs> Anyways, so once a quarter, I love this. Uh, the Archbishop hosts a newly ordained dinner at his residence for all the clergy, all the priests ordained in the last three years. So I have two left because um, just two quarters left until I am no longer apparently a newly ordained cleric uh, after three years. Anyways, why they scheduled the newly ordained dinner on October 31st was beyond me. I'm like, parishes have masses. Like we have anticipatory masses for the Feast of All Saints. Like, so whatever, maybe I should, yeah, this is going to get out there. Archbishop, I love you. (laughs) So anyhow, uh, it's like, it's also Halloween. So then my classmate, Father Tony texts me. He's just like, hey, are we going to dress up for this thing or what? And I'm like, I wasn't planning to, like, I was just going to wear my clerical shirt like normal. And he goes, what if I dress up as the archbishop and you dress up as either the vicar general or the vicar for clergy? I said, hmm, I kind of like this idea. (laughs) So then (laughs) Father Tony totally committed. I love it. He shaved his head because archbishop shaves his head. He's bald. Uh, Tony shaved his head. He even spray paint or uh, dyed his beard gray so that way he looked like the yeah. Archbishop. I'm getting set up for awesome. our party, our, our awesome. Halloween dinner, and I get a call from Father Tony Davis, and I pick up. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? He's like, hey, are you uh, are you at the seminary getting ready for the party? I was like, yeah. Like, Can you let me in? I was like, you're here? <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, I'll come let you in. He's like, okay, I'll be there in 10 minutes. I need to, I need to color my beard gray. <laughs> and then like hung out. <laughs> No, so he actually told me what he was doing, but yeah, he showed up. And he bald, did it. Colored his hair, c- colored his beard gray, mm-hmm. and then you went as the, so I went as the vicar general, Father Dollins, yeah. and uh, it's a good old laugh. Yeah, it, they seemed to enjoy it in the photo you sent. Yes, they they were enjoying it. Father Father Randy was was really honored, but I, I had this um, big sign that said "More than you realize" because uh, it was a big event that he put on a few years back and uh it was awesome it was it was yeah. super fun i wish i had a jacket uh, a cotopaxi jacket like he loves <laughs> cotopaxi that's like his style but yeah well i think they probably scheduled it because are these always on tuesdays they are always on tuesday yeah. this year so they just kind of pushed it out and then it's like oh well i guess we're just gonna keep doing it yeah i think it was fine to do it on that day i think it was more of just like it can be a burden on the other, because then it forces my other, the other two priests at my parish to have the evening masses. Yeah. We're but a team. Right. We're a team. We are a team. I what had mass do? tonight and the other two <laughs> didn't. So it all, it all evens out in the end. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's good. Um, not a lot else is new with me. I just blamed you. I just accused you of not knowing what to say. And I've <laughs> done the exact same. Um, the millennial pause. Ah. Uh, do you know what the you know what the millennial pause is? It has nothing to do with audio. It's it's the video. True, but it has an audio pause to it, yeah. right? Well, it's because you're getting the camera set up, and then oh, now we start. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the Gen Zers just jump right into the video because they're you're bringing them in. Yeah, but they edit it, right? Maybe I don't know. I think they do. I think they're always recording, and so they just they just clip it and say that's what's going on TikTok. Correct. Yeah, they clip it. <laughs> they edit it. They they crop it. Um. No, what's new is it is it is getting darker, and it's getting sadder, and that was the topic. Sadness. Have you ever felt sad, Father Sean? I think you just admitted it, because you were talking about how the, the light going away makes you sad. It does make me sad. Um, so you ruined, you, by asking about my life, you ruined my perfect transition. Of course, I felt <laughs> sad at times. Yes. Um, I am, I've been thinking about sadness, desolation, um, just kind of the ups and downs of any life, mm-hmm. but particularly the spiritual life. Uh, my experience that kind of got me thinking about it most recently was very recently, maybe two weeks ago, I'm sitting and we're, we're kind of talking with some of the guys and I just asked the question of like, if you could roll back uh, time to any point and then like restart from there, what would you do? And guys were giving their answers and whatever. And I was like, got back. And I was like, I think I would roll back to about 11 or 12 years old. I loved my childhood, but I don't remember most of it anyway. So roll back to 11 or 12 and then just relive the exact same life I've already had. Mm. 
was the thought that I had. I was like, I'm actually really pleased with my life. Sure, I've done stupid stuff. Sure, there's sins that I regret. Sure, there's sadnesses that have happened. Sure, uh, things that happened to me that I, I didn't really like. But in the grand scheme, zooming out, mm-hmm. like everything really has moved me and brought me here and made me who I am. And even the dif- difficult things I've pondered, reflected on, have learned from. And um, I'm like, you know what? I actually, in God's providence, I'm good. I wouldn't change anything. Mm. And I had, I've had a good time. So I'd, I'd relive it. I'd circle it back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then, so that was like two weeks ago. And then last week... I got hit some desolation. Mm. I don't know if it was the weather, the cold, the dark, or um, just feeling kind of stretched and uh, over overburdened and kind of anxious about some things. But I just started having kind of like this general state of of not being super content with my day to day. I just wasn't. Yeah, just to clarify, if, uh, desolation is is exactly that. Like when we feel desolate, when we feel lonely when we feel isolated when um we've kind of uh we have this sense of like god where is god like who am i and and um right so we talk about spiritual desolation and i don't know if that's what you're inferring or Mm -hmm. just psychological desolation but yeah we've all felt this way with great with great reverence we've all felt this way (laughs) and um you know so maybe that helps clarify if 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 you don't know what desolation is it's just kind of that desolate place that sadness that darkness of uh, where are you, God? Yeah, it's it's not quite yet what we would call like depression or despair, but it's it's leaning in that direction. It can kind of sometimes come almost as a wave. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it has some psychological or physiological connections. You know, you're low on vitamin D. You're uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you're you're not eating well. You haven't been sleeping well. You know, these things can add uh, up, and and you start to feel the kind of this sadness, this lethargy. Mm-hmm. But there's also spiritual reasons for it. Sometimes God kind of pulls back a little bit and and lets you experience it almost to to awaken a greater desire for him in you. And then other times, a lot of times in my life, it's due to my own sinfulness. I, you know, I'm just kind of a, a, away from the sacraments or not super intentional about, you know, um, confession or I'm not really bringing uh, offerings to mass. I'm just kind of showing up. Um that can kind of start to stack up and that lack of intentionality, I start to suffer um, mm. in, in my own spiritual life. And, and there's a lack and there's, I'm not being filled up where I should be. And so all of these could be reasons. Um, but I think what I want to talk about is, one, that the experience of sadness in life is a universal experience. Mm. Everybody experiences it and will experience it. But then two, how do you deal with it? Mm. Um, and from a Catholic perspective... How do we deal with it? What should we be looking to do? Because we can try and come up with a quick solution or kind of moralize it away, but but really, it's it's a human experience, and we all go through it, and how do we deal with it? And I've got some thoughts I want to share uh, from my own recent experience, reflecting back on it, but I guess, Father Sean, how do you deal with sadness? Sometimes good, sometimes poorly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, maybe two quick thoughts here. Uh, before I answer that question is um, philosophically the way that we've always talked about this is uh, sorrow in the sense of the passions. Um, So emotions are faculties of the soul that we all have, we all experience and passions or emotions. Passions means uh, passive. So there's something that happens to us that we can't fully control. The question is though, we once we re- once we have that emotion, what do we do with it? We can control it in a, to some extent after it happens. So the passion of sorrow that Thomas Aquinas talks about um, is that kind of movement of our soul where we experience, I, I don't know exactly how he defines it at the top of my head, but yeah, the, that like kind of sadness, the sorrow, yeah, tears. So, so sorrow is the passion experienced at the uh, absence of a good mm. or in the presence of an evil. Gotcha. Now, evil, he, he mentions in this, uh, in the Summa, when he's talking about the passions, especially around sorrow, he says, evil itself has no being. Mm-hmm. Evil itself is a privation, an absence, a lack of a do-good. So a lack of something that should be there is an evil. Mm-hmm. But he says, the awareness of that lack has being 
in a mental way. It's a mental being. The mm-hmm. awareness of the lack is a mental being. And so that presence of that mental being, the knowledge of the lack, and this doesn't, I'm not thinking through like, oh, I am lacking the good of X now, and therefore I am sad. We just, this is our passions. We experience them. And so there's a lack of a good and uh, a good desired or a good do. And that's where the sadness then enters in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something that happens to us. Um, or the presence of an evil, that something is taken. Correct. That, that something's taken from you and I'm, I'm aware of the lack. Now I'm, I'm sad at the, that presence of that real, that mm-hmm. reality, that state. Yeah. Yeah. And so to your point earlier, you said something, Deacon Jacob, of like, um, how do we deal with it? And I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but of like, uh, do I just um, distract myself? And one of the ways that I... Put a sad song... Oh, no, that, that's not how it goes, but put a sad song on or something like that. That's, that's what it. a melancholic would do. What I was going to say <laughs> is probably the primary way that I distract myself is um, filling the void, right? Yeah. So uh, one of the things, probably probably my like through sadness, through frustration, through anger, whenever like I want to numb something or ignore something, I turn to uh, the phone whether it's through like iPhone games, <laughs> like playing solitaire for too long, or whether it's turning to like YouTube and just like these new YouTube shorts are so addicting. And they just keep rolling. And they go and go and go. And then you just scroll the next one, scroll the next one. Actually, about a month ago now, I took YouTube off uh, off my computer because it was, and I've never had it on my phone for quite some time, but it just, it just got to be too much. I'm like, like, instead of as soon as I sit down at the computer, it's just like, instead of doing what I need to do, it's just like, I'll just take five minutes to like, I don't know, look something funny up and then get to what I need to do. And it's never five minutes, but, but anyways, I'm just like, you're frustrated, you're tired. It's, it's bedtime. I just turn the TV on, right? I distract myself. I numb the pain of the sadness because I don't want to feel it. And I understand that a little bit because I've struggled with it, but it's actually not helpful at all. Because then we're not acknowledging our emotions, we're not acknowledging the sadness, and then we actually get angry or frustrated, and we're actually then more sad in the end. So that would be the poor example of how I deal with um, sadness. A good example, I would say, is when I actually feel the emotion, maybe even shed tears, maybe even um, you know have some bodily reaction in that way, and then take it to the Lord. Lord, what's going on here? Why am I sad? Why am I frustrated with this? Why is the sorrow here? Is there evil in my life? Maybe it's because I've been struggling with sin uh, in some aspect. And so I'm sad because I've lost the presence of God in a certain sense in my life. Uh, That's what sin does. It kills. Mm -hmm. um, Sin causes death. Um, Or is it like, you know, the processing of Lord, you know, maybe it's a a family member who's died. It's just like, this is, this is tragic. This is hard. And I need to mourn. I need to process, right? Blessed are they who mourn. So, yeah. So uh, to the Catholic stuff you should know portion of this podcast, yes. what we're talking about principally comes from St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, Pray I mean, for Ag- us. Augustine talks about it. Uh, it's, in, it's within the whole fathers, the tradition, but St. Thomas really paints it in a very clear picture mm-hmm. in his treatise on this in the Summa Theologia. And so this is the prima secunda, the first part of the second part, question... 35 through really kind of the rest, um, 48 or so. He talks about how to deal with it. What is pain and sorrow in itself? What are the causes? What are the effects? What are the remedies? And then he talks about fear and anger and daring and different virtues. So when he talks about uh, pain and sorrow, that's what I I described, the absence of a good or the presence um, of an evil. But then he does give us, remedies for the sorrow and he gives us five um well he gives us four really and the first one you touched on uh weeping Mm. actually being sad letting it out (laughs) um and what what i found amazing by his answer he says tears and groans naturally assuage sorrow and this is for two reasons first because a hurtful thing hurts yet more if we keep it shut up mm. because the soul is more intent on it. Whereas if it be allowed to escape, the soul's intention is dispersed as it were on outward things so that the inward sorrow is now lessened. This is why men burdened with sorrow make outward show of their sorrow by tears or groans or even by words. Their sorrow is assuaged. Mm. 
Secondly, because an action that befits a man according to his actual disposition is always pleasant to him. Tears and groans are actions befitting a man who is in sorrow or pain, and therefore it's fitting. And there's a pleasure in an action fitting to your situation. Mm -hmm. And a pleasure starts to dissipate and rid. A proper pleasure dissipates and rids the, uh, the pain. So that's the first one. So when a little kid says, I'm never going to cry again, is that good or bad? Not good. And we shouldn't encourage that. And sometimes we do. We're like, stop crying, buck up, be yeah. a man. Real men don't cry. Yeah. I'm like, well, actually, I've had some of the best cries of my life in seminary. <laughs> and they're like spiritual tears. They really are. Like yeah. I had um, really particularly, I mean, uh, honestly and, and, and humbly, I, th- two, two and a half years ago, I just had a night where the weight of a lot of things just kind of bore on me and my sadness around them and my sorrows around them. And I, I went to prayer and I just started like laying them out before God. Like, God, mm. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what to do with this. Take this. What is this? And I just kind of yeah. named them. And then I just was, I felt the sorrow and mm. I started to weep. Like I just couldn't control it. But it was, it was cathartic and beautiful and it was prayerful and it drew me back and it was, Really a profound, I mean, one of, one of the more profound points of, of seminary for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. don't be afraid to cry. So, sorry, what was this? This is the... the uh, remedies to sorrow and pain. Remedies to sorrow. So, remedy number one. Weeping, groaning. Cry. Crying. Have a good cry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, remedy number two. The sympathy of friends. Sum pathos to uh, feel with. Yeah. And so this one he talks about, again, it's two ways. One is uh, a sorrow or a pain is like something loaded upon you. It's a burden. And so when you have a friend who is suffering with or, or sympathetic to, it is as if he is lifting some of that weight off you and helping you. Mm. Uh, but then secondly is the pleasure of friendship, the pre- pleasure of being loved by a friend. Yeah. And again, this pleasure, a proper pleasure, starts to lift away the sorrow yeah that would be my experience too like if you're going through a really rough time and you just have that friend who's a really good listener and also really good at asking questions of like why is that hard for you or like tell me more about that like it's so comforting when someone just like listens and feels with you and just looks at you and goes and maybe even sheds a tear with you but then says i'm so sorry like that sounds really hard it's like thank you like thanks for listening to me like that that makes me feel a lot better about myself even if there's nothing they can do, like it's the mm-hmm. sympathy. And uh, overlapping with the first one, it says even sometimes just speaking it, mm-hmm. releasing it, letting it out of you. So sometimes the avenue for that is to go to a friend and say, I'm really struggling with this. This is really painful. This I don't know how to deal with this. I, the, the loss of this family member, this friend, or the rupture of a relationship, or something somebody did to me, or they, my reputation was tainted, or whatever it is that's causing the sorrow or the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't know the cause. Right going to a friend and saying like, I'm really sad right now. I don't really like letting it out and then letting them receive that. Uh, so those two overlap. Mm. Uh, third, contemplation of truth. Mm. Principally the highest truths, the yeah. greatest goods. And so, so often when we're sad, we don't actually want to turn to God or the higher things. Correct. We, we want to medicate. Mm-hmm. Like you were talking about, we want to turn to YouTube. We want to turn to, you know, the movies. We want to to noise. We want to we want to run out and just get in a, a lar- loud, um, you know, bar, something that can just distract us and kind of quiet and numb that inner inner pain. Mm-hmm. Distract me from it for a while, and those are distractions. They don't really heal. But contemplating truth, contemplating the hope of the Christian contemplating the mysteries that Christ has revealed, mm. his promise of redemption, resurrection. Um, reflecting on these, Thomas says, these are the highest goods. He says the greatest pleasure in life is the contemplation of God. And so if, if pleasure is what gets rid of our pain, why would we not go to the greatest pleasure, which is contemplating God? Mm-hmm. And so to, to go and to read uh, a good spiritual work and it might be one that's in line with you i mean you're, you're suffering you're struggling jump into saint augustine's confessions mm. jump into saint Teresa's autobiography when she's talking about her her sorrows and her sufferings john paul ii mentions um he, he was giving a kind of an address to 
doctors and caregivers who treat and help people with depression. And he, he quoted uh, St. Therese uh, of Lisieux when she says, um, I think little, little, the little ones take little steps. Mm. <laughs> and so oftentimes this sadness, this despair, whatever it might be, up to the point of depression, where it's like really heavy despair and depression, but even just the sadness and the sorrows that we have, pains in our life, um, it can be hard to lift to move out of them. Mm-hmm. And so in the midst of it, I don't want to get off YouTube and start praying and contemplating God. I don't want to call a friend because it's easier to just put on Netflix. But Therese says, don't just start taking the little steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And that's, that's a really beautiful insight. Um, that's, yeah, there's a couple of remedies. I don't know if they're going to, Aquinas is going to speak to them that I know of that we haven't gotten to yet. So it's interesting, but that's a new one for me contemplating the truth because sadness what's also sad uh we talk about um sloth being a sadness of the soul mm-hmm. we talk about envy being a s- sadness toward another's good jealousy sadness at my own good in a certain sense and so a lot of the vices are actually a type of sadness mm-hmm. not the type of sorrow next necessarily that we're talking about today of like just a sadness within us sometimes that we experience as as an emotion or as you mentioned, um, the evil that can be there, the presence of an evil or the absence of a good, I should say. Uh, but I love that. Like we, we push against sadnesses through contemplating what is true, good and beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And that brings me, I mean, into my next point of how do we, um, interpret our sadness? Mm -hmm. How do we know if this is, uh, an absence of a good that's due me Mm. or a a presence of an evil kind of done to me, or is this actually from my sin? Is this from Achadia or, or Sloth, or is it from Jealousy or Envy? Yeah. Um, how do we interpret that? So we're going to get there. Cool. Teaser. But thanks for bringing that up. Before we go there, though, the last one. Do you <laughs> Wait, know there's that? only four or five? Well, the last one's kind of a two. Okay. So what's the last one? I don't know, but I have some comments because <laughs> there's three that I know that you haven't listed okay. yet. <laughs> so the last one, uh, it's under the question whether pain and sorrow are assuaged by sleep and baths. Yes. <laughs> and I, so, this is where I was going. Yeah, so, so this one... St. Thomas says, yes, uh, stated above, sorrow by reason of its specific nature is repugnant to the vital movement of the body. So it basically just means like our sorrow like doesn't want our body to do well. This mm-hmm. is why we eat poorly. We sleep poorly. We'd rather watch shows or listen to music or go right. go like drink rather than go for a work walk out, or yeah. work out or like read something edifying or you know just go go walk in the sun like the things that are actually good for our body our sorrow doesn't want because it's sorrow by its nature is repugnant to the vital movement of the body mm-hmm. and so whatever restores the bodily nature to its due state of vital movements is opposed to sorrow mm-hmm. and it remedies it these remedies therefore or moreover uh from the very fact that they bring nature back to its normal state are causes of pleasure as well. So again, the cause of proper pleasures, body in its proper state, gets rid of the pain. And then uh, these, these taking a bath, sleeping well, um, these are the things that can actually uh, move us. Mm. Now, I think you're missing one there that's normally quoted, and I was looking this up, and I don't think he ever actually says it. Really? What's the third one? So the three that I've heard traditionally are if you're feeling um, sad, you take a bath, you take a nap, or you have a glass of wine. Yeah, and that's quoted everywhere at St. Thomas. And I think it's a, it's a reading in a little bit. Okay. So he never mentions wine, but not because wine's bad. Yeah. But we have wine cheers the soul. I mean, this is from, from the psalm, or from, I think, the psalms and Song of Songs, and all throughout Scripture. Wine is a thing of, of cheer. Correct. It cheers yeah. the soul. And so I think what they're doing, he doesn't actually say bath, sleep, and wine, but the first question is whether pain or sorrow is assuaged by every pleasure. Mm. And so he says, yes, pleasures, true pleasures. He would say... True pre- pleasures in moderation. Yeah, and, and well, for Thomas, and this is this is a little bit of an aside, but... Pleasure itself is actually the attainment of proper goods. Correct. And so in our kind of puritanical world, our vernacular around pleasure, pleasure carries kind of like a, a negative, constantly negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and Thomas will even say like, men who seek their end as pleasure will never find it. Correct. So if we make pleasure our end, mm-hmm. that's not God Which himself. is hedonism. Yeah. 
Um, so it's not just any pleasure, but he, Thomas also says the greatest pleasure is the contemplation of God. Mm-hmm. And so pleasure as such is the attainment of a good. Yeah. And so when you've attained a proper good in proper ordering, uh, the pleasures are good, good for the body, good for the soul. Yeah. And that means that our contemplation of God, our desire for God is first. Mm-hmm. Our love of wine is not above God. Correct. Our love of sleep is not above God. That's my struggle. <laughs> uh, our love of baths is not above God. But, but to just take care of your body, to clean up, mm-hmm. to get out of bed and clean up, to you know, go speak with a friend, to share a glass of wine that cheers the soul. Um, these are things that can bring the body back to its proper state mm-hmm. and actually combat sadness. Yeah, I think intellectually this makes a lot of sense. And maybe I'm often saying this, but I think modern man's temptation, we we have so many pleasures in modernity that Aquinas never had, you know, and just like, not to like overanalyze this, but like <clears throat> Aquinas never had air conditioning. Aquinas never had a thermostat in his house to turn on the heat, right? It's like, it's so much different today. Like we have so many pleasures just at our fingertips. And so I don't think the temptation is to... Um, to avoid the pleasures is actually to overindulge in them. So like, that's just the encouragement. Like, yeah, if you're sad, if you're tired, like don't indulge in Netflix, but like, okay, watch a movie. Fine. helps get your mind off things, which can be okay, but you still need to, you know, do the first ones. Mm And Aquinas will always order them of the most important to the least important. So the most important, the first one was what it was crying. It was letting it out, letting it out in a way that is, proper to the state that you're in. I am sad, so I'm going to be sad. That's the first thing. But if you need to take a hot bath first, (laughs) fine, go and do that. Like I'd rather have you feeling good and less tired and less sleepy, whatever. um, And then being able to process it than Mm -hmm. being flustered in in the moment, you know? So, yeah. And I would just say at the end um, there, he's trying to order the body back to its, its state of vital movement. And so eight hours binging on Netflix does not restore your body to vital movement. Correct. For me, when I'm sad, it's this really, really odd flip with sleep where I don't want to fall asleep. I don't want to go to bed. Hmm. And it's kind of because I don't want to really face tomorrow. Yeah. And so I, I stay up later than I should. But then the morning comes and I don't want to face tomorrow. So I want to stay in bed as long as possible. And now I've actually gotten less sleep than I could have. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I had actually gotten a good night's sleep, I, I possibly could have woken up feeling better already. Right. But now I'm down to like five hours of sleep. And then you're not going to work out because you're exhausted. You're not going to pray well because you're going to fall asleep in holy hour. Exactly. Is so this I, a self-autobiography <laughs> or is this about you? <laughs> this is both. Oh, okay. And, and this is because I was reflecting on this. This is what I was doing last week. Mm. I was kind of... Was just, it midterms? This past midterms. It was actually the least busy week I've had in the last six weeks. But because I finally had like a a room to quote unquote breathe, I kind of like pulled back. And then I just, after two days of like giving myself a break, I saw what was coming and, and this was fear. Mm -hmm. I saw, I saw the evil coming of all the things that I had to do and the time struck constraint that it was going to, you know, put on me. And instead of actually taking the little steps, like St. Therese said, to just start getting at those right away, I was afraid of them, and so I wanted to ignore them. I fled from them, and I distracted myself. Mm-hmm. But then, what was it? I was watching YouTube shorts. I was staying up too late. I was waking up later. I wasn't working out anymore, and I just wasn't, I, I kept feeling worse and worse. It was this negative feedback cycle where I was feeling worse every day and getting sadder every day, <laughs> and I, I just stopped. I said, Lord, I need to reorder my life again. Mm. I need to put my order, my life back in order, mm-hmm. which means committing to my bedtime, mm-hmm. putting the phone in a room downstairs at 8 p.m. so that I don't have the, oh, well, I'll check an email. Uh, I could watch one video. Mm-hmm. It's 11.30. <laughs> no, it's 8 a.m. I'm down there when I go in. Now I'm getting ready for bed. Oh, I'm actually in bed at 9.15. Oh, I can actually wake up at 4.30 and go work out and go to holy hour and I'm awake. So reordering my life helped bring back the vital energies. 
Mm. But then another part was throughout this, there were certain things, events, people I encountered or talked to or stuff that I thought about that were invoking sadness in me mm-hmm. um, for various reasons. Some of them legitimate and true. Some of them were lies I was telling myself. Some of them were just flights I was trying to like flee from my, my current um, unhappiness. Mm-hmm. And those were affecting me negatively. And then a few days ago, I mean, this is all really fresh. That's why I'm, I'm like reflecting back on my life um, in the last two weeks. But a few days ago, I started actually taking those things to prayer immediately. Mm. I'm saying, Lord, I'm feeling this way about this person. I'm feeling this way about seminary. I'm feeling this way about being a deacon. Mm. I'm feeling this way about whatever. And as I brought it to prayer, I was able to start seeing where the truth was, where the lies were. I was starting to see where, oh, I'm feeling this way about that because I'm running from that <laughs> because now I'm actually contemplating the truth. Yep. I'm seeing what is actually a, a deficit of a good. I'm seeing what's the presence of an evil. I see what I'm trying to medicate with. Mm-hmm. And now I'm contemplating it in dialogue with God. And there's actually, strangely enough, there was a pleasure contemplating a deep sorrow that I had mm-hmm. with God. As I did it, as I contemplated and prayed with it, it didn't make the sorrow less sorrowful, mm-hmm. but the contemplation of that sorrow actually became a pleasurable experience that moved me to joy in Christ and able to make an act of faith afterwards. And like, Lord, I'm here, I'm in it with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really the experience that I wanted to share about to hopefully give people hope. Um, so I've got a little bit I want to turn from here, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on that uh, last 20 minutes I shared or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I shared a lot of thoughts. I think, I think it's spot on. I think, um, okay, maybe one thought since you're giving me freedom. Um, One of the things I think we can struggle with when we fall into that sorrow is the self pity. I just feel more sorry for myself now. And I want everyone to feel self pity for me. That's not what we mean when we say, go share with a friend. Um, you're not getting friends to like, oh, you're just going through such a hard time. This must be sh- this this much this must be so hard for you. Mm-hmm. It's like when they say it in a kind way, it's actually really uplifting. But it's not meant to be like, oh, poor you. Everyone's going to be depressed with you. Like, no, no, no. That's not what we're saying. Your friends help you get out of it uh, by leading you to the truth, to leading you to contemplate the truth. Right. So. That's my one thought. Don't fall into self-pity with with this. (laughs) Amen. Uh, So I just want to close my last thoughts on this. The the last popes, and our current pope, um, they all seem very attuned to the the sorrow in the world, and especially the sorrow that they see in the youth. Mm. They've all written, uh, preached about it, spent Wednesday audiences on it, met with... They very much care. And I'm saying Francis, Benedict, and JP too. Mm-hmm. The three popes I've been alive for. Um, I was looking back at some of their stuff and just seeing what they've said on this topic. All three of them seem to have a, a great care, especially for the young, but for all people experiencing suffering, mm-hmm. sorrow, sadness. And they want to speak into it. And all three of them don't want to just give you an easy answer. Like a, They're all with Thomas. Mm-hmm. They want to reorder, restructure, and redirect you back to Christ and the higher things, but in a way that they, they want to suffer with and share with. And I, I look at John Paul II first. The man suffered more than most people would in like five years wow. than most people would in a lifetime. Correct. And his whole lifetime was suffering. He lost his parents. He lost his brother. He was under the, he was under the Nazis. He was under the Soviets. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the sheer amount of suffering he went through on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And then when, we, when he was Pope, he was shot. Yep. And one of the things people don't think about, like everybody's up in arms about like all the struggles in the church or corruptions or sadness. Like the Pope knows a lot about these and the Pope's generally trying to work on these things. Mm-hmm. It's like the fact that he knows this is going on and he's trying to as Pope deal with struggles and difficulties and like that suffering. I mean, there's just so much in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and Benedict and Francis too, I think we don't, we don't acknowledge like the real burden that being the Pope is, um, and that they bore it or they're bearing it. And so John Paul II, what did he start his papacy with a beautiful line? 
Redemptor hominis. <laughs> that is the first inclusion <laughs> cyclical. Um, no, the uh, um, his first uh, line when he was elected pope. That I don't know, but his first encyclical was Redemptor okay. Hominis. So Pope John Paul II, um, he, he comes out and he's overlooking, he's just been elected, and he comes out to address the, the crowd. Do not be afraid. Exactly. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And so then, many years later, in his book, um, oh shoot, uh, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, mm. he reflected on that word, that phrase, be not be not afraid. Do not be afraid. And what he writes is, when on October 22nd, 1978, I said the words, be not afraid in St. Peter's Square, I could not fully know how far they would take me and the entire church. Their meaning came more from the Holy Spirit, the consoler. I love that, the consoler. The Holy Spirit, the paraclete, means consoler. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about sadness. We're talking about pain. The Holy Spirit is coming through the Pope inspiring him to say, be not afraid, as the consoler promised by the Lord Jesus to his disciples, then from the man who spoke them. And he goes on a little bit later to say, the exhortation, be not afraid, should be interpreted as having a very broad meaning. In a certain sense, it was an exhortation addressed to all people, an exhortation to conquer fear in the present world situation. Why should we have no fear? Because man has been redeemed by God. When pronouncing these words in St. Peter's Square, I already knew that my first encyclical and my entire papacy would be tied to the truth of the redemption. In the redemption, we find the most profound basis for the words, be not afraid. Mm -hmm. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so this is exactly as you said with the encyclical. Um, Hmm. He's saying, be not afraid. Why? Because Christ has entered the world and Christ is one. Mm -hmm. We are not afraid because we have the hope of Christians. Mm. So I love that. Secondly. That's so good. <laughs> thoughts? Commentary? Nope, keep going. I didn't know you had Father, a second point. Father Sean reacts. Nope. I'm just going through all the popes. Um, so then Benedict. What is one of his greatest encyclicals? Space Salve. Space On the saving nature of hope. Mm-hmm. Hope saves. Yep. And this comes from, oh, I'm not going to get the... It's from a letter of Paul. Um, I think it's from Paul. Oh, yeah. It is a scripture it's quote. saved in hope. Uh, or yeah, I don't know By our hope we will from. be saved. Um, dang it. Well, <laughs> I can't remember. But it's, yeah, it's from one of the letters that by our hope we yeah. are saved. And so in this, there's just a beautiful quote. Um, paragraph 12. Um, to imagine ourselves outside the temporality that imprisons us and in some way to sense that eternity is not an unending succession of days in the calendar, but something more like the supreme moment of satisfaction in which totality embraces us and we embrace totality. This we can only attempt. It would be like plunging into the ocean of infinite love, a moment in which time, the before and after, no longer exists. We can only attempt to grasp the idea that such a moment is life in the full sense, Mm. a plunging ever anew into the vastness of being in which we are simply overwhelmed with joy. This is how Jesus expresses it in St. John's Gospel. Quote, I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. End quote. That's from John 16. Mm. I love this in connection with today we're saying it's all souls and we're praying for other souls. Holy Souls. And the Office of Readings has a reading from St. Ambrose reflecting on his brother's death. Mm. But as he's reflecting on death, he doesn't look at death with this fear or sorrow or like um, anxiety. But actually, he sees like, wow, this death has been redeemed in Christ's death and is now a portal to life in him, this joy, this eternity. And so, all of these moments, think of the most beautiful moment, like the moment where eternity has felt real to you in this life, and then it's fleeting. And sometimes we've got this false sense of eternity that it's like, oh, everlasting life, it's just this day after day after day after day after day, and that actually kind of sounds like hell. Mm. Instead of this total embrace of reality, Mm. the total satisfaction, the moment of total satisfaction 
total pleasure and encounter with God. Mm. That's what this unending vastness is um, that Benedict is talking about. So I bring that one up because that's the hope. That's what we contemplate on. Yeah. The image for hope um, architecturally or um, artfully speaking <laughs> is uh, is an anchor, right? Like hope anchors us down. So whenever you see an anchor in art, it's it's meant to be our reality check, right? It, it brings us back into reality by saying, hey, stay here. Be rooted here. Be rooted in reality. Anch- uh, hope will anchor you to what's actually important, what's actually necessary. Yeah, and I love... When Ambrose was addressing death, he even looked at death as, as almost a gift because he saw, look at the state of sinful man. Right. Look at the state of just, yes, this suffering day again and again and again. Mm-hmm. To live forever unredeemed is hell. <laughs> and so the death, to end that, while a punishment and the wage of sin is also a, like a limit to it. And Ambrose says, like, it's the, the death is in, in a limit, and God gives it. Mm. Now, this is not to say, like, we are the masters of Lord and Lord over life and death. It is God. I don't end my life because I'm sad right now. Yeah. It's a great tragedy that we get so sad, and we're not reaching out, and we're not seeing other people. We're afraid to go talk to somebody, and we don't see it and go talk to them. Mm-hmm. And people think that's the only solution. It's the, it's the ultimate point of despair and it's mm. tragic it is tragic. and who knows what's going on in their hearts and their souls and their minds and where they are with god but we need to pray uh, pray for those who have taken their own lives and we need to pray that we won't that mm. that just becomes not even an option in our mm. mind in our culture it's a huge scourge but that death puts a limit to that and through death we can enter into this eternal life because it has all been redeemed what christ has taken on has been redeemed and now we have this hope. So when we contemplate on that, we can face each day. We can we can face each new sorrow or each each pain. And then we can have the joys, and then we can have the pains. We can have the joys, and we can have the pains. Because most importantly, I think we want, we think what we want is a life devoid of all pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's actually what we want. Correct. Yeah. Because when we experience that, honestly, in the end, we're just kind of like, well, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And in John Paul II's encyclical on the redemption of man, he talks about entering into the suffering of Christ. Correct. And then we actually, just as I had this experience of contemplating my sorrow and bringing it to Christ, I actually found this new life and a greater joy mm-hmm. by suffering it with him. Um, so that's the, the point there. And then finally, I want to close with uh, a recent um, reflection from Pope Francis, actually. Frank the Tank. And he's talking about just, he's addressing sadness in the world. Because like I said, he sees it. He sees the young people, sad, afraid, anxious. Um, but he points to this, this wonderful reality. He says, it's important to learn how to read sadness. Because he's saying sadness is going to point us to something. Mm-hmm. He says, we all know that sadness is. All of us. We've experienced it. We know what it feels like. And he says, do we know how to interpret it? Mm. I think that's a great question. He says, do we know what it means for me? This sadness I feel today. In our times, it mostly, it, sadness is mostly considered negatively, as an ill to avoid at all costs. And this is his insight. He says, but instead, it can be an indispensable alarm bell for life, inviting us to explore richer and more fertile landscapes that transience and escapism do not permit. Hmm. And so if I find a pleasure, and I just want to stay on that realm of pleasure, and then I'm sad, it's like I get something that I've wanted for so long and now I have it and I'm still sad. What's that telling me? Mm. That that thing I wanted wasn't the thing I really wanted. Yeah. Wasn't the end I really wanted. I need to go to a new horizon. I need to go deeper. Ultimately, to the contemplation and possession of God himself. Mm. That's what I truly want. Yeah. That's what St. Thomas says will truly satisfy us. That's the beatitude that we have in heaven. The possession the presence of God, his goodness, to see it. And so Pope Francis is saying, can we interpret it? Can we see it as an alarm bell, saying like, oh, I'm being called beyond something. I'm being called into more. And then he says also, uh, yeah, so possibly inviting us to explore richer and more fertile landscapes that transience and escapism do not permit, that moving to a new city, traveling to a new country, 
watching another show, finding a new musical artist, breaking up with whoever you're with and finding another romantic partner won't satisfy. Mm -hmm. That's the transience. Um, and then he said, therefore it is indispensable for our health. Uh, it protects us from harming ourselves and others. It would be far more serious and dangerous for us not to feel, Oh, sorry, I skipped over a bit. Um, he says pain, the pain of the soul, like the nerves of the body can redirect our attention to possible danger. Hmm. Um, and so he says, this is actually a disregarded benefit. So like, imagine you're, you're climbing a mountain. There's a, a natural fear of falling or slipping off. When you get to like a super narrow passageway that's got a huge exposure and a 200 foot drop. Like the knife's edge. Something like that. You feel fear because it's your body saying, this is a dangerous situation. Like you need to pay attention. You need to tread lightly. Mm -hmm. There's natural fears in our body to say like, you're on the edge of a cliff. Your <laughs> your car is speeding towards you. Um, the, the body has these fear responses on the natural level that say, there's a danger here. And Pope Francis is saying, pain and sadness can be like this nerve ending that is signaling to you, there's a danger here. There's something. There's something you need to look at. And so he says, therefore, it's indispensable for our health, protects us from harming ourselves and others, and would be far more serious and dangerous not to feel it. And to just continue ahead. At times, sadness works like a traffic light saying, stop, stop. And so I just think that's a, a, a nice little reflection on, like, we always look at sadness negatively. Mm -hmm. Instead, whoa, wait, why am I sad? Yeah. What is this saying? What do I really want? Yeah. Yeah. Two comments. One, I think um, it takes a, it takes living a self-reflective life in order to see that sadness can actually be positive at times, right? To say like, oh, maybe this actually calls me out of myself so that I can grow, so that I can change, mm -hmm. so that I can become better. Second comment would just be, I love all those things that the popes have said. And I find it fascinating that they've been commenting on the youth in particular and how youth aren't as joyful. And obviously I'm young. I'm only 29. How old are you, Deacon Jacob? 32 practically practically in the grave <laughs> um but these popes right saint john paul ii uh born probably what in the 20s maybe 30s uh or maybe even earlier i'm not sure um he would have lived these things where he saw the uh invention of technology and cell phones and these different things coming about in a way that like changes humanity changes the youth that they're no longer excited they're no longer joy-filled they're no longer happy about things and why are teen depression rates going higher and higher and higher like it just it's fascinating to kind of think about fascinating to kind of look at and um encouragement to all the parents out there like get your kids to play outside get your kids to do things get your kids to uh contemplate on truth to see what is good that way when they find themselves and maybe some sadness and maybe some sorrow um, they're not just going to turn more and more inward, but they're going to be able to turn outward. They're going to be able to, to turn to you, mom and dad, to say like, hey, I'm struggling. Like mm -hmm. that's that's a much better place to turn. So yeah. I love it. The popes are seeing something yep. changing in humanity. The screens give a dopamine hit. We all know what that feels like. That's why we keep going back for it. It makes us feel good for a minute. It makes us not feel sad for a minute. That's one level. But the higher level is like we're forgetting God. Mm-hmm. And so to pray, to pray in your family, to remember God yourself, to remember God with your kids, to help them process through things in light of God, um, that's a higher thing. Yeah. That's the contemplation of truth level. Right. So like, let your kid be sad. Let yourself be sad. Actually cry. It's okay. Mm. Um, talk about it. Share it with a friend. Let it out. But then contemplate the higher things. Contemplate the truth. Contemplate what God is doing. Ask what might be going on. And then take good steps, proper pleasures that help you reintegrate your vital order of your life, the vital powers of your life. Take a bath, take a shower, whatever, sleep better. Have you a know, glass of wine. Have a glass of wine. I just finished a glass of whiskey. I'm trying to channel my inner Father Michael Lachlan as we podcast. Um, and, and so all of these are, are great ways uh, to kind of combat it. But then to also recognize that like sadness, sorrow, universal experience, mm. this side of eternity. Um, don't shy away from it. Don't try and just get rid of it. Um, it's, that's that's not the answer. Shout outs. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well done, Deacon Jake. 
yeah, I could give a few shout outs. I'd like to shout out um, this this Bible study that we ran into <laughs> who claims that they're the best Bible study at Lord's. Uh, yes, they paid us to say that. Um, anyways, Amy, Chris, Megan, and Jared. Um, who else was down there? Evan was down there. Um, the Skinnells, or soon-to-be Skinnells, Bree and Riley. Um, I think also in that Bible study is Shannon, and then Nick and Chase Balser. They weren't there tonight, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're in that group. So I'd like to shout out them. Thanks for being a part of Lords, and thanks for uh, being a part of a Bible study. Great. Uh, after shortly after this podcast will have aired, Father Matt Book will have turned the big five zero. Fifty years old. So shout out to Father Matt Book, fellow companion, fellow companion, the oldest the, one. I don't want to say the grandpa. We'll call him the uncle, uncle companion. Shout out to you. Thanks for your leadership. Uh, thanks for your wisdom. And then uh, shout out to Francie Parsons, who emailed us. Uh, she's a friend of mine from Steubenville. I think one of you guys had mentioned somebody moved into the town where she's now living. I can't remember it all. Uh, and if uh, you want to give her information, you could. But uh, Francie, hadn't, hadn't heard your name for a while. It was great to hear from you. I hope you're doing well. Um, cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Awkward pause. We'll see you soon. Bye. Okay, bye.